before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John. And before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to share a cool quote that I found today. It says, life isn't about how to survive in the storm. It's about how to dance in the rain. Thank you, Taylor Swift, for sharing such brilliant words of wisdom at such a young age. Now, today, I am super excited to have you meet my friend, Cam Snyder. Just like you and me, she has a passion for real estate and has taken the skills she learned in her past experiences and brought them into the STR space. We chatted up about rehabbing, about burying her STRs, and so much more. Let's go ahead and dive in. So today I am joined with one of the sweetest people on the globe, Cam Snyder. Cam, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure, my honor to be a part of your new podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, well, we have so many fun things to talk about. Before we dig in, I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're located in the world? Yeah, totally. So my name's Cam Snyder. I'm located now in Westport, Connecticut. We are a commuting town to New York City. So we're about an hour or so from New York City. And I got started, my mom was in residential real estate. My father dabbled in commercial real estate. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like real estate is one of the great loves of my entire life. I've always been fascinated by it. When I first moved to New York City, I stayed in this terrible, tiny little bedroom, one bedroom apartment that they had spliced and diced into two bedrooms with my sister. So the rent was really low. I had a good paying sales job and I just saved every single penny because I know I wanted to invest in my first property. When my husband and I got married, we started with a new construction project in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we dove into that with 20% down conventional financing. And that was three months before 2008 crash. (laughs) So that was our first experience. People were trying to get out of their deposit. It was just a nightmare. The property value was said to have dropped at to like 30% from our time of purchase within those three months. We didn't really want to go into litigation. So we just stuck with it and kind of crossed our fingers and hoped for the best. And then it ended up being one of the best decisions that we've ever made because that little part in Brooklyn, you know, really became a hotspot. And then within a couple of years, we had doubled our money with that property. So I had my third baby 
there. And we realized at that point that a thousand square feet was not large enough. <laughs> so we moved to the suburbs. We kept that property and that became our official first investment property. So, and what was significant about that is it also became the vehicle for us to do our first HELOC on our investment property. And with the HELOC, we took a couple hundred thousand dollars out of the equity and started a flipping business. And that's what started everything. So we started a flipping business in Connecticut in some of the small towns around me where the price points were a little bit lower. And we just spent about two years buying really terrible properties. The more construction needed, the better. And we developed a wonderful little team here that's become family subcontractors and contractors. And so that became kind of my start in the reno side of things and it, many, many horror stories, but we did more than we thought we ever could have. And now I, what I find is the most valuable from that experience is, you know, we don't really fear too many projects anymore. So that's what that. started all of that. <laughs> I love that. And so when you moved to the suburbs and you got your you obviously converted your home into an investment property. Was that a long-term rental or was that a short-term rental? It was a long-term rental in a condo building. So what we found with that eventually was it was very easy. You know, we didn't have to do much, but as we got a little bit smarter in the ways of real estate and equity, we realized that our return on our equity in that project was very low. So that's kind of what, how, how we then moved to like the next stage. <laughs> Got it. So I want to ask you really quick about this flipping business. And I know we're going to talk about other things more uh, aligned with the world of short-term rentals, but I think this is a really important call out is that I'm curious as a woman who is dealing with general contractors, subcontractors, a very male dominated industry. Did you ever bump into any situations where you felt like either they weren't taking you seriously or you were being treated in a different way? And if so, how did you navigate those situations? Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. We definitely ran into that. My, I leaned heavily on my real estate broker, who's a female and she's amazing. We've worked with her now in these Connecticut markets on probably six to seven properties. And she's amazing. She's a bulldog. And she, she eventually was the person that helped me land on the contractor. That's kind of become like a family member and a partner but we certainly went through our fair share of, you know, not trusting people, things going sideways, definitely projects taking longer than we anticipated and definitely more money. So it, it was almost by trial and error of going through some really tough situations that we were able to land with a contractor partner now that takes us completely seriously. Again, he knows my children, he's friends with my husband, but it, it took a little while to get there. Yeah. And it is critically important, as we both know, to have the right team members around you. And sometimes, as you just said, you know, it's a little bit of trial and error to find the right team members, but boy, oh boy, when you do find them, it's amazing, right? Because your goals are aligned, 
again, you mentioned they take you seriously and they're, they're taking pride and ownership in their work, which is, I think, a really, really important thing. So I want to ask you about the Burr strategy. That's what I would love to talk with you about today. And for anyone who is listening, who is thinking I'm talking about being cold, I'm not saying Burr. I'm saying it's buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. And Cam, I know that you have done this in the short-term rental space. What I would love to do is have you maybe just talk to us about your first burr in the short-term rental space. Where was it located? How did you find the property and what did you have to do to renovate it? Yeah, totally. So about basically like the time that when COVID began and everyone was kind of stuck at home, I actually really enjoyed many aspects of that time. And I just felt like there was more time to just research and work on projects and that kind of thing. So I dove into at that point, studying everything I could on short-term rentals. We had, we had done the whole, whole flipping route and it can be very profitable but for us at that point, it was more important for me to try to gain properties that I would hold on to for appreciation and for cash flow. So we went down, I went down very deeply the, into the rabbit hole of short-term rentals. And I had already studied so much about the Burr method. And because of like the past rehab reno side of my background, I was like, this is a perfect opportunity, I think, to try kind of like the burster model, bringing in the STR. So I started in my backyard in the same markets where I had flipped before. One of the markets that we now invest in for short-term rentals is a small coastal town in Connecticut. It's about 20 minutes from me, which I love because I can get there <laughs> if I need to. I'm actually sitting in a new property right now. Anyway, so we started there and we did the same approach that we took for flipping. We looked for extremely heavy lifts, value add. So the worse the property, the better. And so this would have been in 2021. We actually purchased two at the same time, basically. And again, we were just looking for ones that like no one really wanted. Total like gut renovations. The first one we purchased for... 205,000. And the second one we purchased a couple months later for 225,000. And now just if we fast forward, it's been over a year of operation. That first one at 205 purchase grows 68,000 for short-term rental. And the second one for 225 is closer to the beach. And that one grossed like over 75,000. So it has ended up being, you know, a good investment. And so the way that the Burr works with the short-term rental model is you do everything the same. You look for the heavy lift value add. I Now that I've done several of them, I am liking the ones that are closer to the beach in my location because I think they have a stronger appeal. And then you just go through the entire renovation process but you're very careful. The most important part is that you're looking at your after repair value. And then you're also keeping a very close eye on what your exit strategy for your refi and what your loan to value is going to be. And I believe, so we've 
we did this now a little while ago, the refi. And I believe at that point, the bank loaned us back a loan to value of 75%. But for people doing it now, I think the most important thing, things are changing, you know, it just changes by the minute. So the most important thing I would say to anyone who's excited about doing it is to make sure, you know, you're really have a good idea of what your ARV is going to be and what the loaning environment is at the time when you're going to do it. One hiccup we ran into, we were ready to refi right away. And the bank told us then that we had to have the whole thing seasoned for six months. So that was a hiccup we didn't expect. It, it all worked out okay, but it was a hiccup we didn't expect. So that just meant we had to wait six more months to refi. And then after all is said and done, we did we did very well. The first one we completely refied out of. So that would be a situation of where we got our numbers right. The reno went okay. Our ARV was okay. Our appraisal came in a little lower, but it somehow it all still worked out that we pulled out every dollar of the first one. So that would be an infinite return then on that one, meaning that we have no money left in the deal. The second one, the renovation went a little over. So there was still a little bit left, but I think after a year in business, I think it's, we're all ever, it should all be cashed out at this point. So that would then become an infinite return too. But the most important I, part is RV. <laughs> I love that. So I want to unpack this a bit. Okay. You drop so many really, really important things that I want to ask you about. First, you mentioned you know, you were looking for heavy lift projects, you know, ones where obviously there was a lot of work. They were ugly as all get out. Uh, nobody wanted those properties. First, I want to ask you about your vision because a lot of people would see a property like that and they would run the other direction, right? Is it something that you can walk into those properties? Do you visualize what it's going to be after the fact? How do you determine what the value of those value add opportunities are? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, so these, these properties that, that I did, one was a three, two, uh, the other one was a two, one. And so, you know, they're not huge properties. So we're basically just trying to, you know, again, it came down to a lot of just really studying short-term rentals. I would spend hours just looking at AirDNA and then also at Airbnb and just seeing properties that were doing okay and what made them special. So we're always trying to create like a really great experience for the guest. And so I like as big as I can make the living area, I like to do that. I like to try to make sure that I can get at least a queen size bed into the rooms. So when we're we're looking at like the layout for bedrooms, I do want to try to make sure we can do the queen size bed. And then I'm just looking for things to make it wear and tear proof. So we're doing like LPV on the floors, really clean, nice new bathrooms, because I feel like everyone wants that really cleaning up the kitchens, just trying to make it so that it's going to appeal to as many people as possible and also be good for the wear and tear. 
Love that. And when you are looking to determine what that ARV or after repair value would be, are you leaning on your real estate agent to help you identify what a comp would be or a set of comps would be after it's repaired? Are you going to Zillow and doing that yourself? How are you determining what that ARV might be? Yeah, good question. So I always start with my broker and I get an idea from her and then I just go and test it. And in my market, Zillow's strong. So I literally just go to Zillow. I, I look for the certain area. I filter it to the bed and bath count. And then I look for, I filter for sold properties within the last, you know, you want to be careful these days. So like three months and then I'm doing that. And then I set an alert so I can watch as things close for those parameters as well. And I'm just watching it all the time. Gotcha. But if you do, if you do it long enough, you can, and, and I've been in this market for a while, so I kind of know, but it takes a while though, just to really study it, just study. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Once you know your market, you can almost eyeball something and know, right. Hey, you know, after that's fixed up, it's going to be worth X, but to your point, if you're just starting out, really, really crunching those numbers and getting great at crunching those numbers, understanding what things are going to cost on the expense side of things, that's also really important. I also want to ask you about how involved you were during those rehabs of the first two properties. You know, again, you think about the fact that you were 20 minutes away, which is amazing for so many of us who are investing from afar. Did you have to resist the temptation to, you know, going over to the property every day? Or did you go to the property every day? Did you consider this your quote job? Or was it just something you were doing on the side? Yeah, it's such a good question. So when I was flipping and I was, and I talked about going through some of the bad contractors, I definitely had flips where I was going every day and it was the most miserable experience of my life and so stressful. So after that one flip that was so miserable, I vowed that I would never do it again. And that's when I found the really good contractor. And so my relationship with him now is pretty hands off and I'll usually get an update like each week he does videos, you know, pictures, we talk on the phone all the time. So at this point, I go as little as possible. <laughs> but I really trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think obviously, to your point, once you build up that level of trust, and you know, exactly what to expect from them. You don't necessarily have to micromanage. Sometimes right. early on when you're searching for those people, we have to be more of a micromanager than we want to be. Right. Yeah, right? totally. Totally. <laughs> miserable. Now, yeah. Not, not so fun. I'm curious too, you talked about the seasoning. So again, if anyone is listening and thinking we're talking about cooking, we are not. When we talk about seasoning, it is the bank often wants to see a period of time that the property is generating revenue before they are willing to give or lend in a refinance situation. Did you have any issues doing seasoning for short-term rentals versus a long-term rental? So were you through your first busy season at the beach and did that play a part? Talk to me about the timing of it. And then secondarily, were there any hiccups in 
seasoning as a short-term rental versus a long-term rental. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. We actually didn't run in. Our only hiccup was that we didn't realize we needed that six months. So that was like a shocker because we just had to wait a little bit longer to pull the cash out. But it went actually really smoothly for us. And I, I believe it was all my business partner is my brother-in-law on now most of my deals going forward for the last since the starting of the short-term rental stuff. And he actually was a partner of mine on one of my flips as well. So we work together a lot now. He does handle all of the financial side of things. So he handled that refi. But besides that six months, I don't think we ran into too many other issues. Like I said, one of ours, the appraisal was lower than we thought. We tried to fight it, but we, we didn't have success with that, but we did give it a shot, but it, it all still worked out. And then the other one, the appraisal was much higher. So, you know, sometimes you just can't tell what the appraisal is, how it's going to go. Right. So the appraisal was, that was one sticky point too, for one of them. Now, okay. You mentioned your brother-in-law. Let's talk about this a little bit because investing with family can probably be a beautiful thing and also be a challenging thing. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience has been like to partner with a family member and maybe any challenges or key watchouts for someone else uh, who might be considering doing the same things they should be thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. I love my brother-in-law. He's great. We've partnered out on a lot of things. We have a lot of big projects now that we're working on in a different state and he's just been great but we some important things i think we started slowly we did one flip together and you know not really knowing what would happen and it just worked out i think very well for both of us but i think my advice with that would be to you know to start slowly and test it out and see how it goes. So we started that, that was a couple of years ago. And because of that, I think we were able to build a really good foundation for our partnership because we started with a small project and we both found that we worked well together. With the starting of each new project, we kind of sit and talk about like what's going to happen, which I think is really important because I that's not necessarily, in, I'm trying to get better, but in my personality, I just kind of go with it and dive in. And I think, you know, as projects get bigger and more complicated and the scope grows, we're both learning that that's important to really kind of nail down things, but it's been a, a really positive experience. We try now to get everything's down in writing because as we grow, there's like more people on our team, there's a more legal side of it. So I think that helps too. I feel like maybe people can run into problems if it's very kind of loosey goosey and there's not any parameters set up with family. So I think we try to just nail it down ahead of time and have really open lines of communication we text and call regularly, text at least, at least basically I would say once a day, and we both respond really quickly. So I, I feel like our values are very similar. We're actually starting to, you know, we're building out our hospitality brand. We're, we're talking about content, social content moving forward. So we have all kinds of exciting things I think we want to grow together doing because we do enjoy working together. I love that. And I know you mentioned that your brother-in-law took care of the refis in these two initial burrs and maybe for other projects as well. And maybe you have some of that visionary quality where you can walk into an ugly property and go, oh yeah, this is the one. I love that you have roles and responsibilities ironed out 
because I also think that's where people can get tripped up when they partner either with family members or maybe with, with outside folks without the definition of who's doing what and how decisions are made. It can be really, really easy to find yourself in a pickle in a situation right. with a partner that is not so pleasant. Right. Totally. Totally. So love that. Love that. Okay. So you've done these two initial burr stirs. I like that. I'm going to use that term, the burr stir, the burr for the STR. And then tell us what came out of those. Did you reinvest those dollars into another burr stir or did you reinvest them into something else? We, so about the same time I bought another duplex in this little beach town near me that I'm doing as short-term rentals now, the, those I just did on, on my own. And then when those refied, we then, my brother-in-law and I, we've been expanding into North Carolina. He has a very large portfolio. His main real estate business is mobile home parks and RV parks. And has he has a big base of operations in North Carolina. And so the next project we stumbled upon, which would have been like last year, 2022, a direct-to-seller opportunity for a portfolio of uh, all-wood cabins in Boone, North Carolina. And so that's the project that we've been working on over the last year. That was 13 cabins that he bought at a very low price because he had been calling on owners for mobile home parks. And in doing that, he had come across this owner that said, I might sell you the mobile home parks, but <laughs> I have something else. <laughs> I so, love that. Yeah, I know it, it worked out really well because the price tag was amazing. And we had so far had a little bit of our start with the short-term rentals and I'd really liked that. So they were student rentals, student cabin rentals. The students left this August. And we've been now in the process of renovating those and God willing, they will be ready like next week. We've run into all sorts of challenges. I know <laughs> it's like the project that goes on forever, but <laughs> it's the stress project that keeps on giving and giving, right? Oh, um, on giving. <laughs> so let's talk about that because obviously I am personally aware of this project, but I know you've had a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this. Yes. Can yes. you talk with me a little bit about how you have managed the stress? Because again, I feel like as people who are passionate about real estate and we we get so excited, that, that stress element can lead to overwhelm and burnout as well, right? So how did you navigate that stress? And especially because you were renovating this from afar. I'm curious right. about that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's one I'm still, I'm still working on daily. But we, at the same time, we talked to our broker down there. And, you know, we always like to say, do you have anything else you want to show us? And at the same time, he showed us a boutique in in Blowing Rock, which is a beautiful little commuting town, sorry, not commuting town, vacation town from Charlotte. So if people don't go to the beach from Charlotte, they may go to the mountains. And so we're a little, Blowing Rock is a little mountain town close to Boone that folks from Raleigh and Charlotte go to on the weekends and for travel. Our broker showed us this boutique inn. We ended up purchasing that as well. And we're now operating an inn. But I, I bring that up because we took on 
the inn's housekeeper, not knowing at all how things would go. And she has, she worked out so much better than we ever would have imagined. She literally has become kind of our operations per, for the inn. And because she's been so great, I've kind of poached her to also become our operations person for the cabins. And so I think if we wouldn't have gone that route, it would have been even more stressful operating from afar. But I honestly feel it's that who, not how kind of approach that that has been the one thing that I think has really helped pull back some of the stress that I've been feeling as, you know, we've run into all kinds of things. It's in a rural area and the primary issue is just been the, the Wi-Fi, which even though we're told it's going to be operating at X level and all of our devices, locks, et cetera, will work, we're finding you know, that's not necessarily the case. So that's been the biggest challenge. But I think because we've been able to bring on this operation person, it's the one thing that's helping me kind of go to sleep at night. So I, I would say she's been like the key. And then we've also in the last like two months hired a virtual assistant. And so is the virtual assistant helping you with all of the projects combined or are they dedicated on these cabins and the inn? So great question. So far, I've had her kind of dedicating, uh, dedicated helping the cabins get up and running. And then, but I am having her look at the current short-term rental portfolio and try to watch and monitor guest communication. So when the cabins are live on Guesty, she'll, she'll have some working knowledge of how that works. Love that. Love that. So I want to move now into the lightning round. And Cam, I could sit here and talk to you about this set of projects for days, I feel like, because I think you have so much passion bottled up inside of you. And I love that. And so much knowledge too, that is just incredible that you just willingly give. So I, I am so impressed by you and all the projects that you're working on. I just hope you are impressed by by you as well. And, and you really take that in. No, oh, thank you so much. It's been a busy 18 months. I'm my goal for this year is just for it to like put really start to put the processes in place. So it's smooth, but we're getting there. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So the lightning round, I'm going to ask you some fun questions okay. and I'm going to ask you to answer these with the very first thing that comes to mind. First question is where is your favorite place to vacation? Oh my God. I love Turks and Caicos. Oh, I've never been, but I want to go. Oh, great. From, I know from the East coast, it is such a short flight. The water is so pretty. It's easy to get to. It's lovely. Love that. Okay. What is one place you've never been that you want to visit? Oh, I would love, Oh, Hawaii. Oh, is girl, my number you gotta I know it's so hard for us on the East coast. Yeah. yeah. It is a long haul. And once I discovered the Caribbean, so my first time actually going to the Caribbean was on a trip that I won when I was on Wheel of Fortune. So I won a trip to St. Croix. And, but, <laughs> so I'd never been before. And yeah. I had been to Hawaii a couple of times. And once I discovered the Caribbean, I was like, why on earth am I flying for 14 okay. hours when I could fly for two hours and be in paradise? Oh, You're making so, me feel better. So maybe I don't have to do go. it. I mean, Hawaii is beautiful and it's definitely a must see, but 
you know, yeah. the, the Caribbean, you're, you're doing just fine. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Now, what is one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you started out in the world of short-term rentals? I wish I would have started with a virtual assistant sooner. I did the first year. I mean, I just did, I was working like a gazillion hour days. So I would have, I would have started that sooner. I would have started a mastermind sooner as well too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me personally, when I started growing my short-term rental business and really had a vision for what I wanted. Um, actually, Mike Shogren um, said to me, Stacy, you need to get a virtual assistant. And at first I was like, really? Do I really need that? And then when I sat down and thought about it, I thought, yeah, I do. And I have a 24-7 team of virtual assistants and they make my life so much easier. You know, I'm so grateful for, for my team. So I love that, that you would have gotten a virtual assistant earlier. All right. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? I love look at the upside, look at the downside and can you deal with the downside? So I do that. And then I try to, with the downside, I try to think of like two solutions. I love that. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, do you do that in just a day-to-day -day scenario or when you're looking at real estate, do you apply that to every aspect of your life? I'm thinking mostly now for real estate, but like when I'm evaluating a new deal, I look at like, how good could it be? And then how, if it's like a slow season, how bad could it be? And how am I going to figure that out during, during that time? And if it all, if enough things are pointing in the right direction and I can deal with the downside, then I dive in. <laughs> <laughs> good. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Last question. What's one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? Oh, my, I mean, it's like my whole family. I don't know my family and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, my husband helped me so much where I'm sitting in a new property. Now he helped me so much this weekend. And so I'm thankful for him right now because we're both doing things we never thought we'd be able to do. And we're learning to do them quickly. So I'm really thankful for the help he gave me on this last project when he's busy. Yeah. Amazing. So Cam, if people want to find out more about you, about the projects that you're working on, what is the best way for them to connect with you online? Yeah, totally. So we are actually starting a whole new um, social content platform that we're figuring that out. Hopefully we're like two weeks away. We're also starting Stony Point Hospitality, which is going to be a website with all of our properties. And then as that's all figure, getting figured out, they can also just contact me at Cameron at 40oaks.com. Awesome. And is that 40, is it spelled out or is it four zero? Four zero oaks. Awesome. Com. Cameron at four zero oaks.com. Cam, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun to talk to you. I absolutely just love your energy and love being in the same room and I know we're not technically in the same room, but I'll, I'll take this for today. How's that sound? Yes. Thank you, Stacey, so much. I'm so proud of everything you're doing and for, you know, everything you're putting out there and so proud of your new podcast. Congratulations. You're one of the hardest workers I know. 
Okay, so before we wrap up today's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple ladies inside my Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. I am all about women helping women, and Val Bertrand Moody posted a question inside of our group, and she writes, this is the first we've hosted longer than a few days over the weekend. Guests are on night four of an eight-night stay. I sent a check-in message after the first day and all was good. Do you check in again or assume that no news is good news? She says, we have more longer stays coming up, so I appreciate any advice. And I just want to, again, give a shout out to a couple of ladies who reached out and helped her. Renee Skinoulis says, I send a message on the day of check-in and nothing further regardless of length of stay. Stephanie Almat. Oh, goodness, Stephanie, I'm going to butcher your name here. Almost. She says, let it ride. You already followed up. You are good to go. Renee, Stephanie, thank you so much for helping Val ease her worries and help her get insight into how to best manage her guests. All right. That is it for today's episode. I'll see you soon. Okay, sister, are you ready to start making your short-term rental dreams a reality, but feeling lost, stuck, or just overwhelmed? Here's what I know for sure. You deserve everything you're dreaming of, and you deserve to get it with ease, support, and joy. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar and watch my free masterclass where you will get the scoop on how to leave your W-2 and start building your dream life with five simple steps. If you're ready to have more time to spend with friends and family doing the things you love, adding a ton of zeros to your bank balance and start living your short-term rental dream, you need to watch this masterclass. Head over to stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar right now to start watching. That's stacystjohn.com slash strwebinar, and I will see you there.